After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hi, it's Mind Rolling Podcast, and we're back. I'm Raghu Marcus with my partner, David Silver. Hi. Little pause there, but he's here. And today we have our old buddy, Krishna Das, for his second return or return, the second time. It's a repod. It's a repod, yeah. Um, and Krishna Das has a new record out called Kirtanwala. Wait, it's not quite out. It, it's do you out, know when it's it? out enough? It's out enough. Yeah, it's on or it's already on iTunes, I think. Oh, it is. Oh, well, okay. Somebody told me they got it on. ITunes. But you, it's a, it's got a really nice. There's actually a deluxe edition I saw, so you can get. I don't. What is that? Do you have any idea? No. Good. Um, but you can. Uh, it, it's a beautiful cover. You can get the physical thing, which not a lot of people are doing these days. So otherwise, go to iTunes and download it, or. Go to Amazon, where you can order either it either way, and uh, and then we get when you go through our portal. You see, that's how this works. Uh-huh. You go to mindrollingpodcast.com. We have an Amazon portal, uh-huh. meaning, and then they can just uh, put that up on their um, on their uh, menu. Do I, do I get discounts on my vitamins if I get them that way? No, it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you buy your vitamins from Amazon? You can get some. Yeah, they get they have good things. Uh-huh. Not all vitamins, but they have some. Unusual herbs and stuff. Right. You can get a refrigerator, too. A refrigerator? Yeah. A refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, you uh, you know, bookmark. You need to bookmark our uh, po- the uh, Amazon thing on Mind Rolling Podcast, and then we get a few shekels, and that helps to support what we're doing. But um, so, uh, actually, uh, Krishnas has been here in Asheville doing some workshops and, and kirtan evenings. Last night was uh, at a very strange, it was at a nightclub, really. I couldn't find a seat, so I ended up at the bar. Uh, You're going to come and sit on stage with the other people. Yeah, that's fun. Um, but uh, it's, uh, yes, it's, it's, this is something you've done, though. You've been doing, when you go out, you're not always playing in churches, or you've started playing Most, a little mostly bit. Mostly bordellos. <laughs> like Richard Pry. Um, but no, what's it like playing in these other places? For me, it's the same. Uh, you know, I, I sit down, I close my eyes, and I sing. I don't know where I am. People are actually having beers and wine. And Were stuff. they having beer last night? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And also at the rock club the night before. Hmm. Uh, yeah. People, people, should, people yeah. should have what they want. It's not a problem. They should get what they want. We don't allow them. When we have our little uh, satsang here and, you know, monthly uh, chant. You hide the beer when they come? We, no, actually, saying? some people <laughs> say, can we bring wine? Uh, bo- no. Oh, no, you can't. I What's really? wrong with you? Well, well, we're very Catholic here, so to speak. I got it. Okay. Anyhow, in uh, actually, there was a fun thing. So th- this will be something maybe we can elicit something out of you here around this thing that you said at a work at the workshop on the weekend, which was uh, talking about Indian deities and um, statues and mortis mm. and how there's no way we can relate with them the way that Indians can. Yeah. And uh, and you said it's a long way well, from... Don't, don't nope. ruin it. Okay, all right, well then tell it. We thing. were talking about that, and I said, you know, I've spent half my life in India. I've, I've lived there. I'm a member of any number of families, uh, very close with the, the culture and everything. And still, for me, I couldn't honestly say to you that uh, when I see a murti in a, in a, which is a consecrated 
supposedly living statue in a temple that I truly believe that that statue is alive. Whereas the Indians, they, they, it's, it's, of course it's alive. You know, they, mm. they, they grow up in this culture that provides that kind of wiring and then they get the benefits of that too in their own being, in their heart. I said, look, here in America, you know, we, we grew up with Mickey Mouse. I said, yeah, yeah. So it's a long road from Mickey Mouse to Ron. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And that's, uh, and you know, and that's, that's uh, like for me, like I went to India and I was at uh, Swami Muktananda's. I was just telling somebody the other day. And uh, so we first saw him and he was, you know, uh, Everybody was bowing down and touching his feet, which I did. And I went, what am I doing? This is insane. Touching somebody else's feet? And then Ramdas came the next night, and I said, what, do, how do you do, what is this about? I mean, I truly had no idea, aside from everybody was doing it. And he said, well, it's you, the light inside of you honoring the light inside of him. And if you have any stuff in your head about it, it's just good stuff to work with. So do it again. So I went back the next day, same thing happened, and absolutely no contact with the reality of what, what was really, uh, there was no trans, there's nothing, I was completely blocked. And then a few days later, it was a few days later, I was up, uh, I met you as a matter of fact in Nainital, and the next day we went to Kenshi, and that was my first time meeting Maharaji, mm -hmm. and the door opened, and there he was, and I, you know, through myself, I mean, everybody, we just naturally, it w there wasn't even a thought. Uh, and so that superseded all of the cultural anything mm -hmm. that had happened. Yeah. T talk about it, how yeah. it happened for you. Uh, well, uh, you know, really, I met Maharaji before I ever saw him. Oh. When I met Ramdas. Mm. I walked into the room where Ramdas was. He had just returned from India, his first visit, 1968, in the winter. And uh, the minute I walked into the room, I, all of a sudden, I knew, without any question, that whatever it was that I was looking for in the world, it existed. It existed in the world. It was possible to find it. I didn't have a name for it at the time. I wouldn't have known what to call it, but but my heart understood completely that uh, it was completely possible to find what I needed and what I was looking for. Mm. Then, of course, over time, um, I started hanging out with Ram Das, and I began to understand that it was all Maharaji was coming through him, and that it was. Maharaji was the source of it, and so then I went to see him. But when I went to see him, as great as it was, it was the first moment. It, it wasn't different than I had already felt. Hmm. It was. It wasn't different. It was. It was exciting. I mean, we there we were, coming across the bridge into the temple and. We, you know, our eyes were like completely wide open. We were totally amazed to be there. And, but at the same time, we walked in that room and it was like we'd always been there. Mm. You know, it was. And he was, he just sat there, you know. He didn't really connect like so much on the physical level so much you know he was kind of like for a while he had his eyes closed he threw our f we offered him fruit he threw it back to me and uh, uh, actually i offered him apples and he he threw threw them to the other people in the room and i went oh i thought he didn't like my apples right and he looked at me right away and he said what did i do did i do right <laughs> did i do right what did i do i said so i said some bullshit thing like uh Oh, Baba, anything you do is right. Mm. He said, did I do right? Did I do right? I said, I don't know. And he said, it comes, to God, it comes from God and it goes to God. Mm. When you have God, you don't need anything. And I just looked at him like completely blankly, right? So he looked at me and said, when you have God, 
you have no desires, he said. <laughs> and I went, oh. <laughs> oh, I see. Hmm. So. So, in your talks, though, you, you know, you do talk quite a bit about, for us here in the West, it's not necessary to go anywhere. It's not necessary to go to India. It's not necessary to, to meet the guru on the physical plane, although you didn't say this particularly last, this past weekend that I heard. But I know you've said it before. And so, and but we did. And we, you know... Uh, did we? We did go to India. Uh-huh. We did, did we? have this experience. Did we meet the guru? <laughs> I think we did. Did we? And are we are we better people? Are we after all these years are we are we compassionate? Are we happy? Are we kind? Are we uh do we do we serve others? Do we think about others more than we think of ourselves? Or do we just have a lot of desires? So I don't know if we met the guru. We met we were in the presence of someone who is the guru, but whether we really met him fully or not, even though we were right there, it's another question altogether. And could, it, could we be in exactly the same place right now if we had never gone there? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I'd be dead, but other people <laughs> might have lived. <laughs> I think, Katie, I think part of the answer that you didn't say because you're just too modest, but I mean, I talk to people who have never been to India and never don't know anything about monkeys or Rams or anything, who come to Kirtan and it fills them, fills the room and it fills them so they forget, even if nothing else, they forget what they were worrying about temporarily at any rate and are very grateful for it and they don't really connect with uh, a personality as much as as the atmosphere and the vibe and then they're connecting. That's the guru, right? Yeah. Yeah. Guru's yeah. not a body. Guru's not a body. Guru's not the body. Guru's what people feel when they feel right. And when they come to chant, they feel Maharaja because it's Maharaji who's doing it. And there's my cow. Hold on. <laughs> it's Maharaji who's doing it. He's the one transmitting. I'm just a radio, you know, and... Uh, Radios don't know anything about music. They just transmit. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, You know, people project a lot of stuff onto me. You know, they think I must really know something, you know. But really, it's not like that. It's more or less, this is just a radio. And I suppose if it plays the best music for a long enough period of time, maybe the radio gets a little bit of that vibe. Since it's a living radio, it might change a little bit, but uh, I'm but doing ki- this. I, I, I do this because I need to, to re-enter and re-enter that loving presence that is Maharaji. That's why I sing. That's what happens when I sing. So that's what happens for other people as well. And uh, that's the guru. That's the guru. You know, when... I had this big experience once in India and many years after Maharaji died and or left the body, however you want to say it. <clears throat> and uh, when I came back to America, I went to visit some friends and as I walked into the apartment, they were watching a video of Maharaji. Was that a compilation of some of the, the little footage mm. that was, that was uh, um, compiled about Maharaji, a total of maybe about five minutes max and I looked at it and I just laughed because I said that's not Maharaji that's the Maharaji puppet Mm -hmm. the real Maharaji makes a puppet of himself and he walks it on stage in this into this world which is the world of other puppets we're all puppets we have puppet eyes we can only see puppets so in order to get our attention he creates this beautiful little puppet dolly that we, we look at and we fall in love with the dolly, with the puppet, because he needs to get our attention away from the, the nonsense that we usually spend uh, being attending to, paying attention to. And then, but he's not only 
is the Maharaji puppet run by Maharaji? But all of us, it, I saw, this was the vision I had, was that all of us are run by the real Maharaji. Our puppet strings, he's pulling all the strings for everybody all the time, including his own puppet. So when it's time for one of us to run into the puppet to wake us up a little bit, he, he moves his hand over and the puppets see each other. But that's not the real Maharaji. The real Maharaji is, is who we really are. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with the physical body. What about the, uh, the Tibetans talk about, and in, in particular there's this one Tibetan um, who's not with us anymore, Kenshi Rinpoche. Kenshi. Uh, yeah, Kenshi Rinpoche, who um, there's this wonderful book, um, The Hundred Pieces of Advice from... S- Dave, do you remember that name? There it is right the there. You've got it. Hundred Verses of Advice. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. And um, in it, he says, uh, you know, the most efficacious thing that you can do is to um, visualize your guru on the crown of your head. Mm-hmm. And um, th- that there is no practice, he says, uh, l- like that practice. Yeah. So that visualization practice. So you're visualizing your guru. So how, how do you relate with that? With what you've said, you know, that truly what Maharaji really is, is beyond any body. But yet we are using something there. Well, he himself is using that body to get our attention, to open our hearts. We're not doing it. He manifested in that body for the sake of his devotees, the devotees. And... The devotees fall in love with the beauty and the love that's in that body, and they mistake the body for the love. It's a mistake that leads to something else, ultimately. <laughs> but it's when I'm talking to Westerners who haven't met him, there's no sense in saying you know, that it is the single most important moment of my life that I met him. But I met him before I met him, just like I told you before. Mm-hmm. So what was that? Mm-hmm. So... We want a body because we are physical beings. We want to touch, feel, look, see a body because that's, what, that's where we live, in our bodies. So that's why these great beings do enter into bodies in this world for our sake. Hmm. But when you're talking to people who, who haven't had that situation arise in their lives at this point, what's the sense of saying... You know, I'm not saying you don't need a guru. You absolutely need a guru. You must have a guru. And in fact, everyone has a guru. The guru, God, and self are the same. If you spend your whole life wishing to find somebody wrapped up in a blanket somewhere, you know, you're going to waste your life. When it's time for you to meet somebody, if that's what's supposed to happen, if that's the best thing for you, you'll be there. These beings are the ones running the show. And their only motive for any kind of action is compassion for us. So you have to extend that and say that if that means that our lives are exactly the way they're supposed to be, because if they needed to be any other way for our sake, they would be, because the guru can do anything. So you have to kind of talk yourself down from these weird uh, desire things that we want. We want to... We want to, the thing is we want to fall in love. And when we talk about falling in love, we can only think of falling in love with something outside of us. So because we're talking about spirituality, we say, okay, I need a guru to fall in love. That's what most people are really saying when they say they want a guru. Mm. And that's, unfortunately, that's not true. Fortunately, that's not true. You don't need a guru to fall in love. You don't need a guru to feel love. You need to pay attention to the bullshit in your own heart that's preventing you from being a caring, kind, compassionate human being to yourself and others. And then you'll be serving the guru when you do that. There's no sense wanting something that's not there, you know. Uh, that's selfishness. The longing for that is different than the wanting. Mm. You're like saying, when you people who say, oh, I, I need a guru, I want to be with a guru, they're just saying, I want it the way I want it. 
mm-hmm. and I'm not going to take it any other way until I can find a guru. Fuck this. I'm not going to pay any attention to it. And that's just selfishness, self-centered, obsessive desire or thinking. If you're going to grow up and get real, you have to kind of say, well, you know. Uh, Katie, you said in the retreat in Mari last year, I saw it on video, that at least you have to open your palms to the drops of grace mm-hmm. that come, which suggests to me that there is a, a proactive need mm-hmm. on the part of the individual to reach out or at least to be receptive. Of course uh, there is, but, but I'm, ju- I'm just saying that doesn't mean running around the jungle looking for a guru. Right. You have to be proactive. You have to do everything you can to lift yourself into that place, to drag yourself into that place of love. But basically, for most of us, that would start with trying to quiet our minds a little bit. Because in America, we don't believe in anything except what we see, except what our five senses tell us. That's the only thing we believe in. And so once we calm our minds a little bit, we might begin to sense that there is something else that can be experienced that isn't part of those five senses, the sensual input. It's not, you have to be, you have to be completely proactive. But what does that mean? Running around looking for somebody, going to see every... At one point, I mean, I say this from experience because I ran through the jungles of India looking for my guru who I, I believed had taken another body after he left that one and he was somewhere hiding. And I ran around looking for him. I almost died running around through the jungle 120 degrees in, in India. I was out of my fucking mind. And all it did was get me sick. It didn't get me any closer to Maharaji except that it kind of eventually burnt out that behavior. Because <laughs> I couldn't find him, and I finally realized, well, it's up to him. How did I find him in the first place? Did I find him, or did he find me? He dragged me there. I didn't find him. And he found me, and he brought me to him. Then he sent me away. That was all. That He did it all. I had nothing to do with it, except for my longing. So you have to get in touch with that longing, but that longing can't be treated the same as longing to get laid or longing to have a relationship with a human being. It's not emotional. It's not sexual. It's not physical. It's, it's finding out who you are, finding out where that love lives within you. And then maybe at some point you'll be more open to... Uh, you know, one time I was in a deli in this town of Mount Kisco. And uh, it was in a very, very dark period of my life. I was very depressed. I was very, I felt I had fallen very far from grace. And I was standing online uh, waiting to pay for my cheese sandwich, you know. And there was a guy standing in front of me who had this kind of feeling about him, you know. And I, he was like an older guy. And I, I just had this feeling about him and I kept, trying to slide over to the left or the right to see his face, to get a look at him, you know? But every time I moved, like, to the left, he slowly turned away from me <laughs> with his back turned to me. He, you know, he couldn't know what I was doing. And I, I went, no, he didn't do that. So I went around the other side kind of and just slowly turned, you know, around to try to get a, a look at his face. And he turned around the other way. <laughs> this happened three or four times. And I, my mind was completely out of it. I, I <laughs> What is going on here? So then he paid for his thing and he walks out, starts to walk out. And I, I pay for my sandwich. And unfortunately, I waited for change, right? I'm waiting for my stupid change. And he turned to me and he looked at me and he smiled and he said, it's not in the eyes, you know. Really? And he walked out. And I'm waiting for my change. If I left that change for that 32 cents, I would have found this guy, right? It's so crazy. Wow. I ran out of the deli. There was nobody anywhere. A big empty street, not a human being in sight. It was insane. Wow. I couldn't believe that. Mm. These people can, man, these great beings can manifest in any form, in any way. They can come in our dreams. They can come. They can knock on your front door. 
They don't need you to find them. They need you to be a good human being. They need you to be a good person. They need you to be happy, to overcome the things that, that bring you down, that make you hurt yourself and other people. That's what they need because they're inside of you. And if you're not treating yourself well, you're not treating them well. And as far as guru yoga goes and, and, and visualizing the guru on the top of your head, that's, that is, if he says that, that's absolutely true, of course. But if you don't know who your guru is, any great saint will fill that role because all gurus are one. All true gurus are one. Whether you visualize Kensu Rinpoche or the Dalai Lama or Maharaji or Shirdi Sai Baba, or Nityananda, or any of the great, great ones that we've heard about, they are here. We're the ones that aren't here. Of course, if you have a direct connection with one of them, that helps you because you're familiar with that. You know, visualization was once explained to me like, okay, think about the Statue of Liberty. That, see? That's visualization. It doesn't have to be hard and tight and strenuous to visualize the guru right it's just like think of the statue of liberty right there the image came to your mind that's it so think of that guru think of that being think of him there on the top of your head or in front of you or all around you and and be with that find a way to when you do that you'll find that it's impossible to stabilize in that you can't hold your mind there you're all over the place so You've got to calm your mind. Any way you look at it, you have to calm your mind. Any way you look at it. To do anything. So if you do have a guru or someone that you love that's a great saint that you feel connected with, that will help you keep your mind turned in that direction to some extent. But it still takes proactive work on your part, energy, to, hold, to, to keep coming back to that point, which is what chanting does. It keeps bringing us back to this name, to these names, and these are the names of that, of that place within us. Um, well, you're bringing up chanting, and we ought to listen to some of the record now. Yeah, if you want. Well, we do. Okay. You do that on your cast, your podcast? Yes, we huh. play music, and we're waiting to be sued. Oh, good. Hopefully you By won't. Me? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, How much but, you got? <laughs> I'll take 50 bucks right now, not to sue All right, you. no problem. Um but we're going to uh, let's listen to this track, Radhe Govinda, because this is a track that really gets them going in you know, live. I just want to say, as nice as it is on the CD, the way it's coming through now as we go through and get more comfortable playing it over and over again, it's like gone to a whole other level. Yeah, and that happens Oof. all the time with, yeah. with lots of. So here's Radhe Govinda. <laughs> Radhe Radhe Govinda Govinda Radhe 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 Govinda Govinda Radhe 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 Govinda Govinda Radhe Radhe 
Great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I didn't remember it being so good. Yes, it gets better as you go, as ah. you said. Um, well, tell us a little bit about the genesis of making the record. Genesis, the beginning. Well, really, it had been two years since I did anything, since I had recorded anything. Mm. Hard as Wide as the World was recorded couple of years ago or came out a couple of years ago live and Ando, which came out after that was recorded about seven years ago right the grammy record and i hated it so much i didn't put it out <laughs> yeah right. yeah it's got the grammy nomination yeah the grammy nomination. Yeah. I, I i i didn't hate the music i hated uh 
some of the some of the technical aspects of the recording were were very difficult to work with and of live ananda but basically it was a really good straight ahead simple chanting cd so i thought oh well, two years have gone by people are saying you're making it something else so i that was my idea to make a simpler because heart of the wide heart as wide as the world had like a million overdubs but it was great fun doing it but i just wanted to do something a little bit more organic so we 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 got everybody together in the studio and most of the recording was live although there are quite a few overdubs on it um and the song just came through you know uh the chance just came uh to do Rade Govinda I had actually heard many years ago mm. uh a friend of mine played a CD for me in a car as he was driving me home in Rishikesh and it was this great bhajan singer in India named uh Binod Agarwal no. who sings that who sings that song but apparently it's a it's a well-known bhajan in India but I I I just was he was just rocking so I I've listened to it a million times and I so I always wanted to record it and that was that and uh, hmm. the Krishna Waltz of course was on my very first CD yeah what made you right. to redo that one well or the first it, you know the first CD is very uh, electronic really uh, there's loops under all that most of those things and uh, they were all it was all kind of planned out in advance you know how long this would go like that and it, it's not it doesn't have a very nice live feel to it so I decided to redo that again, especially since I had run into one of the old Kirtan Wallas who had taught that to me back in India in the old days. Mm. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. That's right. So uh, that was fun to do again. And What about I Want to Know What Love Is? I mean, what possessed you on that one? How did that It must have been possession. You're not, are you a big no foreigner idea. fan? Not I don't at all, but that. I can remember the first time I heard that song. I was driving to New York from California. I was in the middle of the Mojave Desert. And in those days, we only had radio, right? And it came on the radio, and I almost drove off the road. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, I want to know, I love it. <laughs> so that just, uh, there was, once again, don't give me any credit. There was no thought at all involved. I was singing, I was coming, I was, I had this chord progression that I was singing those mantras to. And as I was singing those mantras that are on the CD with that, which I planned to do, all of a sudden, I started singing, I want to know what love is. It just was there <laughs> just in the memory banks, huh. and it turned out it was the same chord progression. So it just came through. And I thought, oh, this is just too weird. This is too, uh, this is, I can't do this. So I recorded it, a little piece, and I sent it to David Nickturn, who was producing the CD. And I said, like, what do you think about this? And he loved it. Otherwise, we would have trashed it, because I thought it was too corny, uh -huh. you know? Mm -hmm. But even though I liked it, I thought, no, I can't. There's no way. I can't do that. But we did it anyhow. It wouldn't be the first thing I did that I so couldn't he, do. He, here's an example, though. I'm going to tell you that before you came today to do this, David was saying, I got to tell you, the one song in the entire universe that absolutely turns me off is Foreigner, I Want to Know What Love Is. <laughs> I'm so glad you told him that. I, no, but That's there's the, a point to it. Let's see if he plays. No, I hated him. <laughs> but, you know, here's what happened. It so turned out, by the way, that Jeremy, who made the film about me, One Track Heart, was talking to Mick Jones just at that time about doing a film about Foreigner. Oh. And he played... Somehow or other, my name came up. Oh, yeah. Some friends of Mick Jones had just come from, uh, just sung with me or something. And they said to him, Mick, what do you think of this guy? You know, and he said, oh, I, I think this guy's great. He's really got something. And then Jeremy played him some of my CDs or something like that. And he knew me. He already knew me. Hmm. So, uh, so at the time, we had to approach their lawyers for permission, which could have been very difficult because it's a big hit. And they don't tend to uh, either give permission or um, they charge big bucks for that. Yeah. They wound up charging almost nothing. Really? And yeah. compared to what they could have charged, mm. yeah. They were That's very great. gracious. Mm. Right. And, um, and he liked it. He heard it and he liked it. Mm. So. Um, 
so, but I said to David after he said that, well, I'm sorry if that really prevents you from listening to that song because the mantras. It didn't. That are, I know, I, I'm being dramatic here a little and I'm trying. Could right, you, right. Would, uh, so David hasn't been able to get there because of, uh, you know, the other aspect of his past. But I have a name of a good shrink that. Yes, know, I know. And just, just text. We do. Just text. Yes. It's my I, cousin. Anybody who has a problem with that song, write to me and I will send you my cousin's uh, <laughs> phone number. You know, Kitty, I'm a bit uh, Wait, wait, before I'm trying to get him to do. Can no. you just, oh, go, go would ahead. you now, can you just sing those mantras a couple of times? Which ones? The, the, the From that song, yeah. Uh, without a harmonium? Nothing, yeah. Acapella. <clears throat> I don't know if I could sing those me that melody. Hold on. Because I tried to see it. To those that melody on the on the CD. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, Jayanti Mangala Kali. No, can't do it. I don't. I can't remember those chords right now, without the harmonium. Oh, but I should have brought my harmonium here. We only have three of them. I have mine in the car. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was the uh, Jayande that part. Rupam, yeah, Rupam, Rupam Dehi, Jayandehi, Yashodehi, Dushojehi, Rupam Dehi, Jayandehi. This is a uh, part of this prayer to the goddess, and you're asking her, Rupam Dehi means, Goddess Oma, give me your form, mm. which means really liberate me from this form and give me your form. Give, make me like you, free me. Rupam Dehi Jayam, give me, give me uh, success and victory in anything that I uh, try to accomplish. Yasho is welfare. Yasho dehi. Give me welfare. Give me the things I need in life. And then the final one is duisho jehi. Just remove any kind of negativity or uh, problems or, or um, confusion and, and, and uh, selfishness and stuff like that. Remove all that from my life and give, you know, make me like you. Give mm. me yourself. It, this prayer is usually done before the long Durga Saptasati, the 700 mantras to the goddess, as a part of uh, opening the heart and getting in the right place to do the, the puja. Mm. Uh, and of course, Tuari used to sing this to Mrs. Tuari all the time, Mr. Tuari. Oh. And uh, he taught it to me. So, And he is a, a, a mentor. Uh, Krishnas calls him... His Indian father, my and Indian and father, and my teacher. He was my best friend for a mm. long time, and he was a very important to a number of people who came through yeah. uh, India. He'd been with Maharaji for thirty, forty years, and uh, he was one of the great ones. Mm. When uh, when Krishnadas did this, uh, so he was doing this at the retreat in Maui last December, and uh, that part of, you know, when he was doing those mantras, uh, the audience caught on fairly quickly to, you know, mm -hmm. not nothing to be able to pronounce those uh, Sanskrit words, mm -hmm. uh, and the flow that happened through those mantras. That's why I said to you, Dave, you got to get through the, uh, you know, the foreigner chorus uh, <laughs> to be able to really... Well, if you start at the beginning and listen to the whole thing, it, you should yeah, go right I, I into will, it. I will do this. And as long as you don't do urgent on your neck, <laughs> I'm cool. One, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Katie, was it, it amazes me that how live you did this album because it's so, I mean, the production values are so great. I mean, at the beginning of Radha Vinod, for instance, that rock and beat comes through quickly, immediately, mm -hmm. and stays for a while. And it's so perfectly recorded. David did such a great job on this, and whoever James, was... Jay Messina recorded it. Oh, well, Jay just... Jay's one of the great engineers. Never fails. But I, I'm here. just really struck. I was struck on every track by how... Um, and David David I, really put, put the instruments together, put the production, production. together. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, the, it, it, it's kind of interesting to me because you're pretty upfront there, 
uh, voice-wise, and, and the instruments are a little further back, I think, and yet you hear everything, particularly the guitars and everything, and yet they, they, they're, they're back, and yet they're front at the same time. It's quite weird. I, I'm not sure I've heard anything quite so beguiling as that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just hear those guitars, you just hear them, but you know you're hearing them. It's not like they're a mistake or something. It, it, it's beautiful, yeah. and there's lots of room there. There's lots of space on this album, uh, which, you know, I just compliment you really strongly about it. it and I advise anyone who's out there, you know, I went for a haircut a couple of weeks ago and um, at a pretty posh place, my partner in life told me to do it. And, you know, we you look lovely. Yes. You look so sweet. Dave. Yes. A lovely sample. Yes. Anyway, before you have your haircut in this place, there's a, a person washes your hair and everything. And she, for some reason, asked me, what do you do? You know, I said, well, not much. But what were you doing today? And I said, well, I was working on a, a video with um, Ram Das and Krishna Das. And then she literally, and I'm not kidding, dropped the comb. <laughs> and, and she said, did you say And Krishna? ran out screaming? <laughs> no, not. On the country, massively. And then I couldn't get her to bring me to the actual stylist, as they call themselves now, not haircutters. She just refused. She just wanted to ask numerous questions. And there's a woman who's working at Frederick Fakai on uh, Bird of Goodman or wherever it is, Henry Bendel on 57th Street. And she said, and I know she was telling the truth, she said, well, I used to listen to all kinds of stuff, but now I just listen to Katie. And she was a very unpretentious woman, I'd say in her early 40s. She had good hair. But <laughs> she just lapped it up. And when I started to tell her a little bit, I, I thought maybe she knew a little bit of some kind of background, a Maharaji around us. She knew nothing. Hmm. Oh, really? Nothing. Yeah. Uh, she, I don't, I'm not sure she read liner notes or anything like that. She just listened to them in her car, driving from Queens into Manhattan every day and other places. And said to, she was kind of worried about herself because she simply couldn't listen to anything else. <laughs> and it was just such a beautiful moment, Krishna Das. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, because this wasn't someone who had been to India or probably she'd been to a couple of kirtans that you gave, uh -huh. one in the, in the church, mm -hmm. uh, you know. But it, it was cool. just mind-boggling to me because it just came right out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, look, I, uh, to be honest, I feel the same way. I listen to me too when I sing because it's Maharaji coming through. That's what I want. That's where I want to be. And you, real love is, is you, can't, you can't take your eyes off of real love. People don't necessarily call it that when they hear it, but they feel it. They may not even call it love because we're used to that word meaning uh, attraction and lust. And, but when people hear that, hear the chanting, it touches their hearts. And, and it's a deeper, a deeper connection, a deeper feeling than most people are used to. And it's completely unexpected all the time because music, as great as it is, it doesn't bring you that depth. Uh, if it did, every musician would be happy. You know, but they're not, obviously, so... Music by itself is not enough to transcend our issues, but the chanting in this case brings Maharaji's presence, brings the presence of love right, it wakens it, it uncovers it in us. And you don't have to, you can't, there's nothing to ask, you just feel better. It feels better. And it feels deeper and more real and more lasting and you don't want to stop listening because you want to stay in that place so you know I just see it as Maharaji's planting seeds in people planting seeds seeds that will grow and lead them to finding more love and more happiness in their lives because once you touch this feeling you want you want to find it everywhere and so naturally, and really naturally, you, the choices you start to make in life change because you see the habitual stuff you've been doing never brought you these feelings. So you just get less interested in doing those things and more interested in finding a way to reawaken that feeling again, whether it's putting on the CD again or 
entering a meditation group or reading books on this stuff, you know, you, you will try to find it because you cannot resist it. Hmm. Nobody's doing it. It just happens. It's just natural. In fact, it's just the only, the only obstacle to the whole thing is, is us, who we think we are and, and, our, and our stuff. As soon as we don't, as soon as we start to calm ourselves down and 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 not find not not run after every little 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 speck of of pleasure that we hope we can find, you know, then uh, other things start to open up. When that's going to happen is another question. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Well, this is. Uh, Called this album is called Kirtanwala, which means someone who sings Kirtan. Kirtan purveyor, perhaps. Purveyor? <laughs> kirtan, kirtan solicitor. Purveyor. <laughs> solicitor. A wala is, a, is a, wala means guy, and wali means woman, lady. A kirtan wali is a woman who sings Kirtan, and a kirtan mm. wala, just like a chai wala. Chai wala is the guy who gives who makes chai. Chai, yeah. So you're a kirtan guy. Kirtan Lala, that's what I am. Yeah. So uh, this is available, everybody. Go get it. Uh, we'd appreciate If you buy the physical, go to Amazon through our Mind Rolling Podcast portal to help support us or donate at mindrollingpodcast.com uh, or a T-shirt. Uh, and we might give you a T-shirt today. If it's red and double XL, otherwise... It's a little... It. <laughs> it's it's Tibetan red, might be a little bit on the orange. Okay. Orange, it well, no, it's gonna be it's okay. okay. <laughs> so, uh, people do go out there. It's a wonderful, wonderful record. I've been listening to it for a while. Um, oh, and I will say, there is something on this record called Bajarung Bun, mm-hmm. Bun, Bun, uh, which is uh, means the arrow of Hanuman. Actually, is what it is, and. It's a, a prayer like the Hanuman Chalisa. It's a it's a quite a few verses. It's about thirty six, thirty seven verses, something like that. And this, whereas the Chalisa, the Hanuman Chalisa is is more devotional and more uh, more. I mean, it 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 leans to the devotional side. This this chant leans to the side. Okay, I need help. Get here and help me right now. Get up. Mm, get up, mm-hmm. jump up now, and help me. That's mm. actually some of the translation of it. Uh-huh. And uh, it, uh, I was told that in the jungle, sadhus, if they're scared or something, or they'll sing this at the top of their lungs. Mm. And it's really to 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 mobilize our strength and destroy any kind of fear and anguish and. Uh, any kind of negativity and obsessiveness and this you know there's an inner and outer you know you you want to this is this is like a shot to the brain you know to a shock to the brain to to wake up and to uh, to really overcome adversity mm. Mm. Uh, and and something I've not heard anybody else do at all I, I mean this is not in India you could find versions of this there's but not few. in this yeah mm. In this way, um, but you know what? We're going to close with uh, Om Tare Tutare, that mantra, which is beautifully done on this album, and I think it's a fitting mm-hmm. close to the show. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, thank you everybody for your support and your love and the letters. And go to mindrollingpodcast.com. Dave writes beautiful blogs over there. He's oh, got yeah? some really nice uh, articles. Good. That he, that just come flowing out of his brain. And uh, Dave, good to see you. <laughs> and uh, so here it is, Om Tare Tutare, Krishna Das from Kirtan Wala. Tare Swaha.
Oh uh-huh. 